This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019. And, of course, there's been a lot of news already. There's a, there's a ton of news come out all the time. I hear we had a three-day weekend, so we had a lot of news over the weekend, Not and including uh, tariffs being raised both by China and us on each other. Anyways, uh, so we're still in, the, in, the, in, in those kind of negotiations. But the big news was Hurricane Dorian, which is creeping closer and closer to the west coast of Florida. I th- they're kind of talking that it might miss Florida and hit north, but run along the coast and dump just a ton of water, a ton of rain. So, so those guys, uh, you guys listening out there in the best talk along the coast, just be ready. It's going to affect you. That water is going to, and they have a big storm surge, you know, tidal surge. So it makes it even worse. So it's about 100 miles west of Florida, from what I understand, and moving to the northwest at about five miles an hour. And it's still unclear whether it will miss Florida. No one really knows. But, you know, those winds and rains are going to hit you. By Thursday, the storm is expected to break along the North Carolina coast. I think it's a Hurricane 2 now instead of the Hurricane 4 that it was. So it's it's losing some of its punch. But, you know, it's moving so slow, it's just going to dump a lot of water along the coast all the way up. Anyway, so summer's ending, and that's for sure, and doesn't feel like it here in Southern California. It's pretty hot. And through all this and everything, the market had gone up and down and sideways, seesaw and sideways, basically, but with a lot of volatility. And we saw that today. So what's really next for the market? And to be honest, no one really knows for sure. You know, um, we can evaluate the stocks. We can talk about what's happening in the economy. We can do all those things. And we'll obviously give you unbiased guidance, but no one really knows where it's going to go. No one. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you'll give me a call as well for any any financial question, any investing question, anything financial we'll talk about. And I hope you do make that make time for that call. I really do. Your questions, you know, drive the show in whatever direction you want to drive it. How how do you where do you want it to go? As long as it's financial, we'll go there. I don't have a problem with it. Whether you want to talk about insurance, which I have a pretty extensive background in, or the stock market, or real estate. I've purchased many pieces of property over the years. So, you know, I have a pretty diverse... I, I tell my nieces and nephews that I'm not an expert in anything, but I'm, I'm one of those jack-of-all-trades. I know a little bit about a lot of things, and th- therefore I can answer some of the questions, but... Some of them good. Some of my answers need to be verified. <laughs> okay. So, real quickly, I want to remind you that I'll be in uh, uh, upcoming September portfolio review, and I'll be in New York, New York City. Those dates are uh, already filled this for this month, so can't help you there. October tenth, I'll be in San Jose. Then I'll be back to New York in November seventh, New York City on November seventh. So. San Jose, October 10th. I do have spaces open if you want to meet with me. And, of course, I have spaces open in New York, too. Yeah, but these the dates seem to be filling up faster than they used to. So, be you know, if you want to meet with me, now's the time to do it. you got to reserve your personalized evaluation consultation with me. 
I'll show you how to better balance your portfolio, for instance. I'll talk about your finances, whether you're on track for the retirement that you want or that you're not on track and what you have to change. So register early if you can at investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns a pretty bold prediction by J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan says the stock will advance into year in. They're thinking it's going to rally from this point forward into year end. That's what they're saying. Could that be accurate and true? We want to talk about it. We want to explore that possibility, right? Of course, I've got some other things I want to talk about. I think they're fairly interesting. My topics uh, reasons that may make you make you drop stocks for September. In other words, reasons that you should get out of stocks in September. Why? Okay, I want to talk about the U.S. imposed tariffs here on September 1st. You know, they we, we did it. They did it. You know, we're still in that battle. We're talking about that. And again, it seems like it's taken a back seat, but Hong Kong processors are still out there. And, you know, there's violence almost every day. So, you know, we got to realize that that's going to affect some things and could blow up. Remember the Tenement Square thing? I think it could be worse. If something like that happens this time, which I think the Chinese are fully aware of, if that happened this time, the whole world's going to see it. This day and age with everybody having a cell phone which turns into a camera, which can be uploaded to the internet, which can be sent around the world in seconds. can be sent around the world live. And I don't, I don't know if they have a way to stop that. I just don't think they do. What the market do today? It was down. The Dow ended up being down 285, the Nasdaq down 89, and the S&P down 20. Remember, last week it was an up week, finally, and but that given up all that upness today, basically. That's what's happening. That's what's happening. Okay, let's go to Amanda in the Bay Area. How you doing, Amanda? Good. Um, I just have a quick question for you about um, the SOP program. What do you think about it? Is it and what's Yes. Well, it certainly looked like, she's asking about a good entry point. It certainly looked like it bottomed in August, you know, right a little bit above 20, about $20.75 or so. And today it's at 24, so it's already gone up quite strongly in just one month, really. So is it still a good place to get in? And this is Kroger Company, operates 2,764 supermarkets, convenience stores, and jewelry stores under Kroger, Ralph's, and other names. Okay? We know it most commonly out here on the West Coast is Ralph's. On the East Coast, I know it's more commonly known as Kroger. Anyways, um, they grocery stores and food stores do pretty decently in a uh, in a recession. So if we're moving to recession, we might have seen the bottoms of Kroger. Now it's at $24 and they're going to make $2.17 a share in 2020 after making $2.13. And this is and they're going to make $2.32 next year, about 7% more. And that's what grocery stores do. They go up small, very small increments. At $2.32 per share, and the stock is $24, that means the P.E. is right around 11 Okay, and that's, at near the, that's, that's near the low of the range, and that's pretty much where it is today. 
And I think that's a pretty decent price, Barbara. Amanda, I'm sorry, Amanda. I really think that's a pretty decent price for the stock. Now, having said that, I don't think that you need to be in a big rush to get into Kroger because I think that September is going to be pretty volatile. And you might just keep an eye on it. As, and, you know, for being a down day, it was up a, it was up 1.3%. So it was pretty did a, did a very good job in a down day. And it's been moving up in the month of uh, August when that's a that was a down month. So those are pretty positives and I do think it's a good blue chip stock. It pays 2.7% dividend. So if you really want to get in it, maybe you should buy half a position now. Amanda, and then another half position when it pulls back, if, if it does pull back. Okay? That way, you know, if it doesn't, you're fine. Thanks for the call. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and the podcast replays provide a daily dose of market news with our unbiased commentary every day. And we have a fairly new offering, Invest Talk Academy. It's an online training class covering a wide variety of financial investment subjects. In-depth, by the way. You can learn more at investtalkacademy.com. We're heading to the break, and I'm taking your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. The long summer of 2019 has ended. We are into the first trading week of September, and the big question now is, which way will the market go? You need unbiased investing guidance, and Steve Peasley is here taking your questions live. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So let's take a look at some of the benchmark news out today. Well, gold. Gold, you had to see that. It rose pretty hard, pretty sharply at to $1,549 an ounce. That's a six-year high. And shares of gold miners were broadly higher in the afternoon trading. What What's fueling the demand? What's, what's making gold go up? Well, one, safe haven, because there's fear out there, right? Gold is a safe haven. There's, remember, I mentioned three things that drive gold, and that's inflation. We don't have any. That's a dollar going down, a dollar's going up, and fear. And fear is meaning fear of risk uh, and other types of equities or properties or economies or fear of war. Some kind of fear, big fear too, not just little fear. So I think fear of the whole economic, uh, worldwide economic slowdown, fear of the worldwide recession. I think that's driving gold. Certainly is a weakened dollar. If the dollar weakened, that would be another element driving gold. Or inflation picked up, that would drive gold up. So that's one of the reasons why I think gold has some ways to go because there's a couple elements that could come in and play a a part in boosting it. So we'll see. Worries about escalating U.S.-China trade, of course, is driving it. We know that. And also worry about the... uh, Contraction in the U.S. manufacturing sector. So, and of course, there's the Brexit event. Remember, by the end of October, Britain is supposed to leave the EU. So, all that, all that adds into the gold, gold fear. It really does. Uh, oil at fifty-three dollars a barrel. The two-year Treasury yield is at one point five percent. 
whereas the 10-year treasury yield is 1.44%. So the 10-year, you get less money in the 10-year holding on to a 10-year bond than you get in a two-year. That's called inversion. That is not normal. They, they call the yield curve is inverted. Now, whenever that happens, that generally means recession is coming. Now, after the ISM, that's the Institute for Supply Management, report on U.S. manufacturing came out this morning. It showed that the, indu the industry contracted in August. When it did that, the yield on the 10-year note fell to its lowest level, fell to that 1.44. That's the lowest it's been since 2016. The yield on a 30-year Treasury bond is 1.95. 30 years, you only get less than 2%. Now, we might complain, I might complain about how low that is. Just thank goodness it's not a European bond. In one of those countries, they have you have to pay the government. <laughs> you get nothing. You have to pay them to buy their bonds. And we've gone over why that could happen. Uber and Lyft are spending millions of dollars to stop California legislation that would force the companies to classify some of the drivers as full-time employees. Well, why don't they want to do that? Because of the cost. California costs a lot of them to conduct business here. Costs a lot. So a new California proposal uh, would turn the so-called Uber and Lyft gig drivers into employees. I don't know what gig means. Enti entitled to some benefits. Now, what would that do? Remember, Uber lost $5.2 billion last quarter. Now, neither of the companies are making money. According to heavy Uber investors, if the legislation passes, two things will happen. One, prices are going to increase, and that cause me, uh, that, that will cause a demand to go down. They'll lose more money. Or two, in the long run, the requirement will push people to push Uber and Lyft to driverless cars faster. Anyway, so stock, the both stocks are down record lows, by the way. This is Invest Talk, and we have an important invitation to a new KPP Wealth uh, Management Conference. The title is Earning Yield in the No Yield World Investing in Real Estate, Stocks, and Bonds. That's a conference we're having. Justin and I will be putting it on. We have, we're going to have some guests there, trust attorneys, a couple of things. That's October 12th, everybody, in Irvine, California. You can sign up early to get reduced pricing. Learn more at investtalk.com. The number is 888-99-CHART, and we're live. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Mike in San Jose. How you doing, Mike? Good, thank you, Steve. I was wondering if you can take a look at CGC chart and see what you think. Sure, I can. CGC, let's take a quick look at that. Okay, this is uh, Canopy Growth. Okay, so this is one of the... Uh, one of the uh, Canadian company based in, in manufacturer and uh, sells marijuana. Uh, $8.5 billion for medical and recreational cannabis consumers. $8.5 billion is a market cap, so it's one of the bigger ones. And sales are growing by two, 300% last three quarters. 
per quarter. The problem is they're not making any money, so you've got to be really careful. They're growing sales. They just haven't been able to turn that into profit yet. And that's not necessarily you know, a bad thing if they're spending money to keep expanding their sales growth. So that's not a bad thing. The chart shows that the stock is making uh, a new lows. It bounced today. Last three or four days, it's been going sideways. It's up 5.5% today. So it is possible that it's finally hit a bottom. It's a new IPO back in 2018, so we got so we're we're plenty past the first six months. As remember, my rule is don't buy an IPO of six months because within six months of the date it IPO'd, because owners can sell after that. So this has been out much longer than that. So you don't have to worry about that. So you're looking for a bottom. Has it put in a bottom on a on a chart? And it's still a bit too early to make that determination. Um, but this looks like it could be near the bottom that it's going to be putting in. So I, I think this is going to be it, but I probably wait for it to break up a little bit more, maybe to break up above $25 and close above $25. And then you could start putting your toe in. And then if it continues to rise, put some more, put your toe in it more. Okay. Remember, it doesn't make any money, so but it has great potential because of the sales growth. It probably is going to make money. Okay? Good luck with it. I hope it works for you, Mike. That's CGC, everybody. Canopy Growth Corporation. Okay, let's talk to Robert, who's in Burlingame. How are you doing, Robert? Hello, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Um, when it comes to index funds, how do I compare a fund such as VU versus SPY? Like, what am I looking for in these ETFs? And what's the symbol on the ETF? Uh, VOO, the Vanguard uh, S&P 500. Okay. Okay. So what was your question? I'm sorry. I was trying to type in. Oh, yeah. In. When it comes to like these index funds, how do I compare a fund such as VU versus SPY? I keep on hearing like SPY in a lot of different like um, news okay. articles. But That's a good how do question. I compare these? Um, Almost uh, the only way to really compare, if you're looking at three or four ETFs that all buy the S&P 500 and track that index, they're all going to perform equally except the cost. How much does the ETF cost? Usually, Vanguard is the lowest cost provider. Vanguard, they're known for that. So, everything being equal, you just buy the lowest cost. Nothing else matters. What are are they charging me per year for them to manage that ETF? Okay, and if they're all doing the S&P 500 or tracking the S&P 500, the performance is going to be exactly the same. So your only decision is cost, finding the cheapest one. Okay, that makes sense? Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan thinks that the mark has bottomed. Despite trade war eternity, J.P. Morgan says equities will equities will go up the rest of the year. This is ahead of their global and European equity strategy. He says the firm still favors U.S. equities over European equities. Well, we agree with that. But why do they think it's bottom? Why? Well, they think that you know this, the trade war 
business is already built into the price. They think the dollar has already gone up very high and it probably is ready to break and go down the other way. They feel, you know, they have different reasons, but all of it is speculation, everybody. Okay, don't think, they think that the Federal Reserve would lower interest rates and that the Europe, Europeans will be lowering interest rates, which will spark economies eventually and the stock market will react before that happens before the economy starts to see that that's what they're doing they're they're looking forward and thinking that you know in the next 6 12 months equities are going to be stronger because of this forward looking they think the federal reserve cuts uh, are not going to be followed by a recession not so they don't think we're necessarily going into re- recession even though even though the, the yield curve is inverted, and that is every time, everything that's ha- time that has resulted in a recession. And I know you've listened to me a while back, and I said, you know, things could be different this time about the yield curve inversion. And whenever I hear anybody, or even myself, say that, I cringe because that usually never is true. It's not going to be different this time. <laughs> but the only reason I mention it is because, you know. Um, Central banks around the world have been interfering with the market so much, it's hard to know, you know, is is, it, is that interference causing this yield curve inversion and it, it nothing not to do it. They, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Okay, uh, this is Invest Talk, everybody. We have an important inv- uh, invitation to uh, new listeners. And, uh, well, ma'am, we have conferences coming up. We have meetings. And you'll see it on investtalk.com. You will. Okay. Um, I have a trivia question. Stock volatility is a numerical indication of how variable the price of a specific stock is. So, as we go into break, I don't really have time for my two-part question. Trivia question. Anyways, we'll get to it right after this break. Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me, for us? You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action. With the active 401k program, KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. The great thing about achieving financial freedom, you can keep working if you want to, but you don't have to. And here's more good news. KPP clients who are active 401k subscribers will receive a complimentary subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each Friday, Steve Peasley writes a market action and trend newsletter that serves as a quick summary of the week that was. It also includes stock ideas, portfolio management information, and consumer finance tips. So enroll in the Active 401k program and also get the KPP Premium Newsletter. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial or visit kppfinancial.com.
Here's a quick reminder, Steve Peasley's in-person portfolio review consultations for New York City in September are fully booked. But Steve will return to New York on November 7th and San Jose October 10th. You can learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Steve and Justin are always ready with answers to your investment questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Okay, before the break, I almost got to it. The trivia question for today. It's because I ran out of time, but I will ask it now. September has historically been the most volatile month for U.S. stocks. What is the average September loss by percentage? And which month has traditionally been shown to have the lowest market volatility? Now, here's my answer. I'm going to start with the the, the historical statistic of uh, uh, of uh, loss, and it's a loss because September has been been the losing month out there. Okay, um, the average September loss by percentage is, and I'm talking about the S and P and the Dow is one percent. And that makes September the worst. Okay, August has traditionally been the lowest volatile month in the market, and of course, we didn't have a low volatility month this August, did we? We did not. So, just it's not. It doesn't have to happen every time. It doesn't. And why do I say stay invested? Well, it's pretty obvious. If you're going to build your portfolio, you've got to continually build it. Why? Well, according to Anthony Chan, chief economist of J.P. Morgan Chase in New York, on average, the value of the markets double every 12 years. Do you have any idea what period of time you should be in or out in those 12 years? No, you do not. It, you cannot time the market. Can you... Produce cash, rebalance, yes, all those things. But you cannot try to get in and out, in and out. It does not work. I don't know how many times people think they can do it. It doesn't work. It can't be done. It has never worked. So don't try it. Okay. Sean in San Jose, how does a, how to measure a company's debt? How you doing, Sean? Are you there? Great, 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 Steve. Thank you, and you have a great show, okay? Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. It's a little broken up a little yeah. bit. So how do you, you want to know, how, know how, how to measure how a company's debt? Just want to know how to. Well, okay, well, there's short-term debt and long-term debt for companies, and you can look at their balance sheet, and they'll tell you, the debt that they that's where it comes from okay how much debt they have many times the debt is is uh, is presented as a percentage of either the market cap or a percentage of the net equity of the company so it depends on how they talk about it and how they measure it but it's usually in the uh, in the uh, income and uh, the in the uh, balance sheet as to how much debt the company is carrying, and you want to compare that debt on a debt per share. How much debt per share? The company is at, at twenty five dollars stock, and they have two dollars in debt. That's what a little less than ten percent. So you really want to know what it is uh, on a per share basis. 
That's one of the ways I like to look at it. Uh, you know, to get that number, sometimes it's very difficult. Yeah, we buy the data. It's very difficult sometimes to get it for free on the internet out there. Because debt is tricky. It can be tricky how they count it. You know, you got to remember there's short-term and long-term debt. They, they break that up. So, and banks, you got to remember, banks carry lots of debt because that's how they finance their operations. REITs carry debt. Certain industries carry debt. Certain industries shouldn't have any debt. Tech, tech companies should have no debt. So you have to know which ones you're which ones you're looking at and how much debt that is and whether it's good or bad. It's a difficult thing sometimes. John, appreciate the call. Thank you. So let's grab another caller question from our eight 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 ninety nine chart number. Hey guys, just want an opinion on uh, an option I recently took. I uh, saw that AMD had a big run up recently, and I decided to buy a put uh, option for January twenty twenty at a thirty one dollar strike price. Um, just want to get your opinion on if you think that was a good move or not. I'm betting on the economic cycle having a downturn. And as a result, hopefully, I mean, in the scenario, the stock would go down with it being in the semiconductor space, seeing that they are uh, one of the first places to get hit when the market takes a downswing. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Just let me know what you think. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Okay, well, the stock is at $30.90, and you have a $31 put. So put means you can put the stock to somebody at $31. You can make them buy it. Okay, the top of the stock is around 34. Uh, it went up to 34 three times. Even if you go back almost a year, it was at 34 back then too. So that's that's a very that's the top of the stock. And I it, do you want to did you want to did you want to keep owning the stock? Was that your intentions? Because I don't know what your intention was. If you did not want to put it to somebody, you had a, your, your put is really tight. That number is tight. Um, if you wanted to put it to somebody and limit your losses, you know, I think that might be a good a good price. I think that might be a good price. Uh, putting it at putting it to them at thirty one because the stock is at thirty, but I don't think the stock is going to fall much. I think it's going to fall to the low, the mid mid uh, maybe twenty six twenty seven dollars a share. I think it's stuck in that range for the time being. AMD is Advanced Micro Devices. I know a lot of people don't know what options are and how they work. And I'm not an expert in the area myself. Justin is much more attuned to those than I am. Anyways, uh, AMD is a good, solid company. But its sales have been going down in recent quarters. And they usually do in a late economic cycle, uh, semiconductor-type stocks, uh, tech stocks usually suffer. They do great at the beginning of an economic cycle. And in the middle of an economic cycle, they do very good. 888.99 chart, reasons that may make you drop stocks in September. Sell them. And one of them is, you know, maybe you should, now remember, I don't try, don't, you're not trying to, don't try to time the market. You can't do it. You cannot do it. But here's some reasons to sell stocks. They're worried about the Q3 earnings. Because we're now, member into September, beginning of October, we'll start getting earnings reports for the quarter, third quarter. Uh, it's the worst, you know, the, the September is the worst month of the year ever, which we just talked about. Pent up selling pressure from returning vacationers. 
See, that's probably bogus, by the way. I don't think there is. Um, and mutual funds tax law selling. Well, they do. There are do exist, but there's more in December, and that's the best year time of the year. So I don't think any of these reasons really are very good to sell. These are reasons that I see out there that people say, well, I'm going to sell because of this or that. Yeah, uh, these are not good enough reasons, in my opinion, really. But these are the reasons that people tend to want to drop stocks in September. Uh, I'm not buying. Remember, the best time to buy stocks is either September or October after they drop. But if you don't have the ammunition already to be prepared to buy and you're now trying to time it when the bottom is going to be put in, you're just not going to be successful. You're just not. So don't don't think in those terms. Think in terms of rebalancing your portfolio, migrating to more uh, uh, defensive type stocks. Think in those terms as opposed as opposed. Oh, I got to get out. Things are going to fall apart. You can't. That's not the right way to think about it. I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. So I think it's pretty safe to assume that you're pretty serious about investing, and you want to grow your wealth. We all do. And that's fine. That's great. But of course, as you make your investment choices, there will always be a bit of fear. Always. Always fear will creep into your judgment process. You have to fight that fear. You have to fight that. Now, you can, by understanding the risks that you're taking and how much risk you're comfortable with, and you know I have a tool for that on investtalk.com that will gauge your risks. You take some questions. It will score, give you a score between 0 and 100. 80 is about the risk of the S&P 500. And once you take that risk questionnaire, which is what, less than five questions, by the way, very short, um, we can measure the risk. And then I can look at your portfolio and see if your portfolio matches the risk that you're taking. That's the best part of it, in my opinion. So you can check it out. You can go find out what your risk tolerance is, your personal risk tolerance is by going to take the risk realized questionnaire on investtalk.com. I'm ready to take your questions right now at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. For serious investors interested in improving their ability to build financial freedom, we have an important invitation to a new KPP Wealth Management Conference. Earning yield in a no-yield world. Investing in real estate, stocks, and bonds. Speakers will include InvestTalk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, and they'll be joined by real estate experts and a trust attorney. The October 12th conference in Irvine, California, will cover these topics. Understanding real estate investing, from buy and hold to vacation rentals and land banking. How the trade war and economic trends will affect stocks and bonds. Ways to increase your income potential and defer taxes using trusts. And a lot more. Seating is limited to 50 attendees. Sign up early to get reduced pricing. Tell your friends the newest KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference is set for October 12th. Learn more and sign up now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Jason calling out of the lake. Love the show. Big fan. Listen to it every time. Just waiting for the new episodes to come out. 
My question today is about diversification. I'm trying to put together my own portfolio, and right now, split it 60% ETFs and 40% stocks, and I have 30 ticker symbols on both sides of that. And I'm just wondering, is that over-diversified? If so, how do I simplify it? Or like, what's a good number of stocks and ETFs to hold? Thanks. Bye. Yes, you're over-diversified. You have too many. Okay. Now, you could have 30 stocks and no ETFs, and you would be, can properly diversify that portfolio with 30 different stocks. But when you start adding 30 ETFs, remember, ETFs are automatically diversified. And it, you didn't really mention what kind of ETFs, but I'm assuming there are all kinds of ETFs, including index ETFs and then more specialized ETFs. You use ETFs, uh, if you have enough, money to get a good diversified portfolio with stocks, you only use ETFs for to target something that you're not able to target. For instance, uh, maybe you want to uh, invest in Brazil or Canada, you know, and it's harder just to invest in that particular economy and you can do that through an ETF or, or currencies, you know, there's, you know, or commodities. You want to get into commodities and you can use an ETF to do that. So usually, if you're going to have, you should just have a few ETFs and 30 stocks, and then you shouldn't have more than 3% of any one stock if you have 30, and you shouldn't have more than 15, 18% of any one sector. Now, you can concentrate a little bit depending on where you are in the economic cycle, right? We can do that. That's okay. And, you know, I've had Best Talk Academy classes on the cycles and what works and what part of the economic cycle. First, you've got to determine what, where we are in the current cycle now. And you've heard me talk, and I'm sure Justin's talked about it, about, you know, in a late economic cycle you know, in toward, moving toward recession or shrinkage, utilities work good, consumer staples work good, precious metals tend to work, those kinds of things. Yeah, you can you know you can use an ETF or you can use individual stocks, and you can have a bit more to you know and, and be a little bit more defensive than my eight, the 15 18 percent rule. But no more than don't ever go past twenty. I, I think that's pretty. That's too much. Any one sector, okay. Okay, we pay uh, attention to overseas economies, uh, Europe and Asia, because of the global economy which can affect us here, the U.S. economy. So we pay attention to it. You have to. We do trade. There are trade partners. They, we trade everything around the world, just like they do. And now the European economy is essentially kind of dysfunctional. The British pound has sunk to a three-year low. And, you know, on October 31st, Brexit event occurs. In other words, Britain is going to leave the EU. Now, who's going to suffer the most or... Who's going who's gonna to have the most long-lasting problems there? France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and other EU countries, or will it be Britain? Now, knowledgeable economists are saying that if there is a non-negotiable hard break between the UK and the rest of Europe, if that happens, then maybe the UK will probably be a better situation in the long run. I don't know, you know. I'm not sure why, but that's what they think. Now, keep in mind that negative interest rates are plaguing Europe, and they certainly aren't working. So, that's an issue there as well, and it's not helping. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because we're at a 
we're looking at something we've never seen before. We don't really know. Okay? So, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We have one goal here, to help you achieve financial freedom. That's our goal, and our work continues right after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, a notable hedge fund manager is warning of serious problems reminiscent of the late 1930s. Why is he making this claim, and could he be right? That story tomorrow. But now Steve Peasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's go talk to uh, Bob and uh, Campbell. How you doing, Bob? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. Appreciate the call. Uh, we I appreciate your uh, sharing your knowledge with everybody too. It's uh, uh, very valuable. Thank you. I appreciate so, that too. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping uh, so. I really want to get this information out. But go ahead. You have a question? Um, yeah, we're uh, looking at get, uh, picking up uh, uh, healthcare ETF VHT, mm-hmm. and was wondering okay. a couple things. Is it a um, reasonable price at this point and how do you think it will fare uh, during the next recession as compared to the overall S&P? I think it will do better because this is a, okay, VHT everybody's Vanguard Healthcare ETF, exchange traded funds and performance corresponding to the Healthcare 2550 index. I think the healthcare ETFs will do better than the overall market. Um, now, I, I have a little caveat about that. You know, there's one of the reasons why they're not doing very well now is because of the politics involved. The Democratic Party and some of the members of that party have been talking about nationalizing health care, and that spooks investors, okay? Nationalize, get rid of all private and you know, health care services, and that's, that spooks investors. But I think it's unreasonable. That's not probably not going to happen. Chances are very, very slim. So it might be producing an opportunity to get into one of these health care ETFs. Uh, Vanguard is low cost. I like that for all Vanguard ETFs. Whether it's the best one out there, the thing I don't like about it, it only pays a 2.1% dividend. That's not very high. Okay, There's a couple others that are out there that I know of that are, uh, to me, are better because they pay a higher dividend. And one of the reasons why you're owning one of these is because of that dividend. So... Um, and I don't think it's overpriced, by the way. I think it's quite reasonably priced, reasonable. For, you know, so I think, you know, but I, again, I think you need to check other ones out, Bob, because I think there's some, I like MPW, let's see, M, uh, I shouldn't, I'm not supposed to mention that, but I just violated the SEC rules by mentioning it <laughs> without someone asking me about it. But I like MPW, it's a REIT, okay? That develops and net leases healthcare facilities, so I kind of like that area pretty, pretty much. So take a look at those. MPW is a good starting point. Point. I'm not recommended to buy it, but I do like that better. Bob, appreciate the call. Thank you. 
888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Hong Kong protesters are still out there. They were blocking roads near the airport this, this weekend. Then it had another night of violence. This has been going on for three months, these protests, three months. And they're protesting because, remember, there was talk about changing the law in Hong Kong so the criminal or people charged with a crime could be extradited to China. And they're fighting that because that wasn't the deal when Britain gave back the island to China after 100-year lease expired. And the deal was to have two separate Chinese systems, the Hong Kong system and the rest of China, which I don't know how that's going to stay that way for very long. Anyways, that's how they got started, even though um, they're not moving forward with that law, but they feel, the protesters feel that their civil rights are being eroded. And they probably are. Remember, you you got the mainland China. Mainland China has a whole has a communist system, and you don't have rights. You have very few rights. You have no. I don't know any rights. Not like here what we think of rights, anyways. So, my biggest concern is if this thing blows up, it's going to affect the stock markets around the world. Blows up meaning. Is the, is the Chinese government going to send in troops and shut everything down? And there's there going to be lots of deaths. That's blowing up. I'm Steve Pisa, and this completes another Investop program. Please remember, I'm sorry, please remind your friends that they can listen to Talk Live five days a week, and, and it's in the 4 o'clock hour, and, of course, podcasts. You know, be downloaded anytime they want. They can download it and listen to it anytime they want. And, by the way, I will be back tomorrow with another Invest Talk. Good night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 